it's funny. I had a close buddy of mine who's who's still in government, and we were talking one day, and he's like, "You work a lot." He's like, "Are you ever off?" You know, and I'm like, "Like, so just that perception of of what it's like in a startup, and then reality. Like, startups are work." What's up? I'm Tyler Sweat. Cue the dramatic music. This is All Quiet on the Second Front, a podcast where boring conversations around defense tech and national security come to die. Ready to get weird and learn some cool shit about emerging tech and the government? I thought so. Let's fucking go. This is a Soul Fire production. All right, what's up, everybody? Um, your host, Tyler Sweat. Welcome to another episode of All Quiet on the Second Front, the podcast where boring government talk goes to die. Uh, super excited today, joined by longtime friend, uh, sometime mentor, part-time confidant. Uh, Question is, who's the mentor at any given yeah. time, right? <laughs> yeah, so we've got <laughs> Chip Colbert from Virtualytics. Um, so thanks for joining us, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Heck yeah. yeah. So I uh, want to open it up, let you sort of just tell people a little bit about who's Chip. Let them little long walks on the beach, Sagittarius, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, background, I was an Army Army guy, uh, spent 20 years um Infantry officer, and then latter part of the career, changed over to strategy, policy, uh, really oriented around the Middle East. And then I left government service in 2016. Um, and when I kind of tell the story now, like, you know, one of the things I do now is is uh, work with kind of veterans in transition and trying to think about, hey, like what comes next and what's important to you, that kind of thing. When I was leaving, I think I was in such a headspace, just frankly, like in hindsight now, just totally burnt out and like to heck with defense and national security. I'd like, if you told me that, if you told that me that today I'd be leading federal sales for what is effectively a defense contractor, I probably would have laughed you out of the room, right? Cause I was just like, to heck with that world. I want to leave it behind. I want to get out of hierarchy. I want to get out of structure. Uh, I want to change my mission focus, all that kind of stuff. And so when I left success, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that worked out well. Um, so when I left, I went totally entrepreneurial, a uh, couple of partners, started a you know small consulting practice focused on private sector clients uh, and did that for about a year, year and a half. And then, you know, loved the heck out of it, learned a whole bunch of stuff, like did all, you know, went from working government hours at the NSC to, you know, working from my couch and trying to figure out how to build something. Uh, so awesome learning experience. But then a year, year and a half into it, you know, fundamentally realized something was missing. And what I realized was missing, and I was, you know, uh, and we're on the client site. I was in a hotel room in the Midwest. And I was like, what? You know, what? Something's wrong. And I, you know, couldn't really put my finger on it. And I realized I missed mission. I missed, you know, being focused on something that I felt like was bigger than just kind of the bottom line. Or, you know, and it was a consulting thing. And what I, so I realized, like, if I don't care about this guy's problems that I'm working with, or if I can't get excited about his problems, like, I'm probably not going to be that effective. Right. So, Changed, uh, realized I needed to get back close to defense and national security. Uh, started doing some independent consulting work, kind of go to market consulting. Hey, how do you get started? I've always been fascinated with emerging tech. Um, and so did that for a couple of years and then realized, you know, again, it's funny what you learn along the way. Um, I enjoyed the consulting gig, but I fundamentally was bothered that I didn't own my outcomes, right? Like I'm, I'm an execution oriented guy. 
and although I liked consulting, I realized like like making a recommendation and then watching somebody else execute either poorly or well, I wanted to be a part of that, right? So then, you know, had an opportunity to join a a product company, right? Um, and so went in early days um, on the go to market side, and then helped that organization kind of grow over the course of about three and a half years, and then yeah, a little over a little over two months ago, came across the Virtualytics team, saw the product, met the team. And said this needs to be, you know, my next my next thing. And I, and I guess the last thing, like again, just come back to this theme, like what you learn along the way. Also realized, having helped an organization grow, I miss the early days, right? Like I think you know people talk about like, are you a builder, are you a hunter, are you a farmer, or whatever? Like I like that build. Yeah, there's there's right? something there's something special, special and chaotic, right? So it's it's a certain type of special about like the zero to one. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I mean, you and I are the same. We often end up in the same room. So like zero right. to one problems in defense tech. I I am fascinated by the like, I forget the the movie. It's one of the when there's like in the 90s, that whole slew of space movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apollo 13 or Armageddon or Spaceballs. Spaceballs, yeah. or the one where they send the oil rig guys up to like oil rig the asteroid. Yeah, yeah. Armageddon. Um, Arm- yeah. Is that Armageddon? I think so. There yeah. Um but they like throw all this stuff on the table and they're like, cool. Like we need a, to fit into B using only this, mm-hmm. right? There's an aspect of that sort of like just real bound problem solving mm-hmm. in doing defense tech. And then there's this like wildly unstructured of like, okay, cool. What's the art of the possible? How can we get pieces to interact maybe a different way on the board? Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing that the board is going to be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think just to tag in there, right? I think it's you know when you talk about like what you learned along the way and, and folks coming into the space, right? I think thinking about the context in which you're doing the do whatever it is you want to do, right? And I think because you you see folks that get excited about you know defense tech and you know startups for national security or whatever, and especially I think you in my experience working with folks that are coming out of the military, like it is a it is an awesome environment i love it but there is the early stage stuff there is that element of what feels like chaos right and and the lack of structure the lack of process which for me when i left the military and the government that's what i want you know i knew that that's kind of where i wanted to go and i think you know if you don't that it's not for everybody right and like some people and i have had people come out of the military um and go into that environment and just be like whoa like i need like this was an overcorrection, right? Like I need to get back to a little bit that's more structure, more process, right? Well, I think there's structure is not structure is not structure, right? And I think this probably harkens back to your I forget what it was called Starfish and the Spider. Was that it back yeah, in the day? Yeah, yeah, look at me. Look at you, buddy. The way back machine still works. Um <laughs> gives you that gives the your <laughs> listeners an idea of how long we've known each other. Yeah. <laughs> um if you think about organizational structure and you're thinking about sort of functional job task structure and then you're thinking about like market sort of customer to vendor structure there's all of these different configurations of structure Mm -hmm. and then there's like the structure of the problem you're trying to solve i think a lot of folks and I, i might be biased because i think i thought this way when i came out was i was like oh i'm great at like 
unstructured, ambiguous scenarios. I don't need complete information because, like, I'd run around Afghanistan for four years with, like, a Roshan phone and no internet. It was like, I never knew what was going on, and I was fine. Yeah, exactly. What I've realized is I have to sort of calibrate structure across this sort of broader spectrum. Like, mm. hey, I'll, I'll have organizational structure that's designed to compensate for a, like, really fluid problem environment mm -hmm. and then i'll have a bunch of structure on delivery because defense tech is a highly regulated market and like absent that you are absolutely wasting your time yeah um i think that's the challenge that i don't think i realized until midway through my career on how to talk to some of the folks that are transitioning right like whether they're case officers whether they're folks coming out of the military it's not either or like this big black or white. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, when we were in uniform or in government, like there was a ton of structure around the problem we were trying to solve. Yeah. Right. And there was SOPs or tradecraft or whatever. You're stripping out chunks of that and not compensating with something else. You just get into some chaotic kind of environment. Mm -hmm. How are you seeing that and sort of different aspects of structure over your learning, over your career? How are you seeing organizations either succeed or fail there with mm -hmm. thinking about sort of the, the relative structure to complexity? Maybe that's the ratio we're looking at. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an awesome question. Um, that was free form, too. I, I didn't know, have that one baked. That one just happened. Questions I really wish you gave me ahead of time. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, I think I'll come at it from one from the personal angle first and then the organizational piece. Your second part about organizations like succeeding or failing, right? Because on the personal side, I think the learning process I went through by like, like I said, like literally going from work in government to like, you know, establishing an LLC and, and figuring out how you run a company or, you know, however small that was at the time is like structure exists for a reason, right? Like there are a lot of things about, as you said, like, you know, what kind of problems you want to solve versus how you're going to organize and go about solving those problems. And I like the unstructured problem side of it. And I have come to appreciate the structured side of how you get after that, right? Like, and process, process is, is definitely not my Valentine, so to speak, right? Um, but I have a- You and I both are a little Allen Iverson <laughs> with, you talk about process? Yeah. <laughs> Practice. Um, yeah, so, um, but I have a very healthy respect now for the process, right? Exactly. Because I think there are elements of doing the do, whatever, again, whatever that is, um, the sales motion, the delivery side of it, what have you, like you need process in order to be effective, right? Otherwise, if you're super small and you're just like, we're going to figure it out, then you're going to have to, you know, the difference between being a generalist and a specialist, right? Like as organizations grow and Reed Hoffman, uh, Blitzscale, I love that book because he talks a little bit about that, right? Like different life cycles of an organization's growth, you need different skill sets. And generalists are fantastic, I think, in the early days. And then as you grow and scale, you need those specialists to come in and say, okay, I know the ins and outs of the government contracting process. Or another example, I know the accreditation process. I know what, in, what it takes you need to the do. operators who understand those processes and then the corporate governance that needs to exist in order to make it successful. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And I think, and so then now go to the organizational side, right? Like where you see, you know, sort of successes or failures. And I think a common challenge on the defense tech side, right? And and one of the reasons why I'm I was super excited about, you know, where I am now is that, you know, this is not this is not a characterization of how we're sort of, you know, building and deploying. But, 
you know, you, you'll have a, whether it's a dual use or whether it's a company that's building exclusively for this customer that sort of comes in and says, hey, we understand SaaS, we understand commercial delivery. And so DOD, you need to accommodate your policies, practices, procedures, your accreditation, your compliance to like, to fit our needs or to fit the way we operate. And, you know, if that's your theory of change, right? Like DOD's like, okay, cool. Good luck. Yeah. Like interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to go talk to this person that actually has taken the time to understand how we do business and what our needs are. And, you know, when we get to the conversation around, Hey, you know, do you have an ATO? Um, can you, or like, you know, in the AI ML space, right? Like my favorite question you get all the time is, okay, this is awesome. If it, you're deploying with unlimited computer, unlimited storage, but what about if we want to take this forward, right? What if we want to take this into a degraded comms environment? If you as a defense tech, you know, founder or, you know, salesperson or whatever your role is, if you don't have an answer to that and you haven't done the blocking and tackling work to be able to have that conversation, that customer you're talking to is going to walk away frustrated and so are you, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's two there's two interesting things to sort of unpack there. And one, and I think we've started to to tease at it throughout this conversation, is the importance of the blocking and tackling. It's sort of the not sexy, sort of glamorous side of, you know, startups and the scooters and the free frappes and the ping pong and all of that. It is a lot of like really not glamorous grind and 100%. blocking and tackling. And like everybody does windows and you get after it. But you take that with the importance to be grounded in reality and understand that if you are trying to play a game that has defined rules, the way you win that game, like there might be a one in a million chance. Like, yeah, hey, I can change the board. And mm -hmm. instead of chess, we're going to play quantum chess. And I win on this board. Yeah. But to come in and just shriek that like, well, hey, this, this, these rules are right. These rules need to change. Mm -hmm. Not recognizing that, hey, it requires congressional engagement. That requires, you know, uh, exec and ledge and all the way down, all the way through. One, to me, is a little absurd. Mm -hmm. And two, is a recipe for disaster at a practical level. Because to your point, if I'm not recognizing and accepting the reality that will govern my tech deployments, then I am going to be building wrong from day one, which mm -hmm. means I'm going to get to that conversation you just talked about and me as the founder who hasn't thought about this or just assumes that I can solve all of it with a couple hand waves is going to end up having to go back to my CTO or my product team and say, cool, I'm going to need you to fork. I'm going to need you to manage multiple builds now. And we're going to have to completely refactor this product because we built commercial SaaS. We didn't build for a secure enclave. We didn't build for a disconnected degraded or at the edge, um, anything like that. Mm -hmm. How are you making sure and i guess one as you've sort of learned through your career how have you started to take steps earlier to make sure that kind of stuff ha isn't happening and mm -hmm. two how are you helping folks just recognize that reality earlier mm -hmm. so you don't get that weird like organizational drag coefficient where you're trying to convince someone like no hey the, the earth is actually round right because it's a little bit like that. yeah no absolutely um yeah, you said a couple, you're like on fire today with the questions. I had my Wheaties. It's this smoothie, man. Yeah. Next time, shout we, out Tropical Smoothie. Next time we do one of these, I'm going to need a little preparation. Uh, no. Um, so you said a couple of things in there. One, like, I want to just come back to the, one of the first points you made of like the reality of being in a startup, right? Because I, I think people have, you know, whether, whatever, you know, movie, 
pop culture, what have you, it's like, oh yeah, cool. You're going to go to a startup and it's just going to be all sweetness and light and ping pong and, you know, whatever. Um, and I mean, startups are work, right? Any, anybody that's been in a startup, like I, I, it's funny. I had a, a, a close buddy of mine who's, who's still in government and we were talking one day and he's like, you work a lot. He's like, are you ever off? You know? And I'm like, not really. Like you have to maintain that balance. Right. But I think there's that, like, so just that perception of, of what it's like in a startup and then reality, like if you want to get into the space, like know that it's work. Right. Um, but then coming back to, to the larger question, right. I, I think the, you know, fundamentally, I think it comes down to this idea. And I think you talked about it I wanted to start this whole thing with a longtime listener, first time caller, because I've listened, <laughs> I think I've listened to every one of your. I've podcasts. never listened to one of my podcasts, so if They're you're about good. to quote you me should... on something, I have no idea. No, you, I wouldn't quote you. I mean, I'm quoting. I think it was, I think it was Brian Raven, but you had a conversation oh, yeah, with somebody about like continuing to like the new things you learn along the way, right? And and like and and continue having that like curiosity to learn, and that's like I like I'm always kind of you know, digging into some new topic or, you know, whatever, reading a new book or what have you. And I think when it comes to wanting to do business in the space, and, and I think it's almost harder if you're dual use, right? Because I think, you know, for the dual use uh, entity, taking the time to understand those requirements, the accreditation, uh, the compliance, the contracting ins and outs, um, you know, the whole, you know, SIBR, we can talk SIBRs if, if we get there. Um, but I think, you know, making the time and having the right people in the right roles to get proficient so you can, you know, in advance of getting to a conversation where somebody's like, holy smokes, this is really cool tech. How do I get to you? What contract vehicles are you on? What networks are you accredited on? Right. That you have to take the time to do that up front. And I think on the commercial side, like one of the things I'm worried about is as you look at the market is like, you know, the speed to the, the speed to ROI. Right. And that there is a lot of work that is required to do business in this space. And if you're a dual use founder or a dual use board, you know, sitting on the board or VC or PE or what have you, it's like, okay, you know, how long again? Wait, you said how long until we think that there's going to be a contract opportunity and how much work is required? And okay, we're going to like just let's do away with our whole federal, you know, public sector practice and we're going to go all in a commercial. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a, great sort of juxtaposition of i think the challenge that you know whether it's dual use or it's like the federal team in sort of a, a more mature sort of commercial SaaS, like an enterprise SaaS play mm. um i think there's this notion of like yeah hey i've got to go like respond to all these rfps and you're like okay like that's a way but like if someone's not writing an rfp like for your product like what are you responding to yeah, what's your what's your Which win? always gets me confused i'm like all right we'll unpack that later yeah but you've got organizations like carasoft and like a bunch of different vars that already have contracts there so to your point about sort of knowing the rules right mm -hmm. there's two there's the how do folks get to you mm -hmm. And how do you get your software to them? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a procurement side of it and there's like a security and compliance accreditation side mm -hmm. of it. Well, that's uh, what, and just to tag in and actually like, you know, not to, since I'm on your podcast, I guess I'll give you an unsolicited plug here, but, but I think marketing it, pay attention, I, <laughs> but I, you know, I would use you as an example and, and Kerasoft as an example, right? If you're a, if you're leading a federal team or if you're thinking about the federal go to market, 
you know, I think there is still that, you know, the, the, the direct sale approach versus that competitive approach. Right. And I think I would say, and you know, this is obviously a hot topic and I love Ben Van Roo's discussion with you that I think he took data and kind of proved what all of us who have been in the space for a while have known for a long time about the reality of the cyber mills and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I would still argue the cyber program, right. is fantastic for people that want to, you know, you have a cool tech, you want to bring it to market, you, you know, you start in, in the way it was intended, right? Start phase one, you move to a phase two, if there's value add, you can move to strap fire, you know, and then ultimately the goal is phase three production, right? And as opposed to just, you know, we're going to bid on five, you know, cybers a quarter and you get the, you know, get the contract and then never actually roll it out past that, right? Um, so anyway, but coming back to, and I forget where the, where the heck I was going with that. So that's sort of the two-sided corner of like procurement, accreditation, and thinking about hey there are ways to sort of flatten yeah, yeah. the curve so, on each of those. thank you see i get so excited about cyber i forgot where the heck i was going um <laughs> no but I, like i think you know talking to to folks that are getting started like hey what's your channel play like what what vars are you working with and if the answer is like none then you might want to start looking at it. look at a Kerasoft. look at you know you, you name the entity and then on the accreditation side right like if you don't have that expertise in-house you don't understand how the ATO process works, how FedRAMP works, like an organization like Second Front and looking at Game Warden. And, you know, it is probably worth your bang to, you know, move into a platform like that to get the accreditation the platform passes to your product, right? And so, I like, I think that supporting ecosystem around, hey, how do we help one another, you know, that whole, like, rising water lifts all boats or what rising tide lifts all you know what i mean like the i think navy calls it a ship I yeah i'm sorry like i'm t- yeah i'm just indoors I'm, I'm, I'm showing my ground dragging <laughs> my knuckle knuckle dragging um but yeah like i i think the, those enablement kind of functions are super important to be successful right now i'm gonna return the favor you gave me a little marketing plug that uh that the marketing gods at second front will be happy with <laughs> What are you guys working on? Sort of what problem are you solving? What's got you excited about virtualytics? Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, a couple of things. I mean, once, you know, I've, I've been over there now uh, a little over two months. And I think, you know, a few things, and I'll, I'll hit them, I'll keep this succinct. But one is like product, right? But then two, at this stage of like, you know, this stage of my life, like it's beyond, there's other things other than just a cool G Wiz product right and i think mission and team are, are the other two things for me but you were gonna say nap time and you know some porridge at like 4 p.m <laughs> that's key man if i don't get my nap I'm, I'm super grumpy um but yeah so i mean you know the the for the for the team and for the product right so the company was founded in 2016 decade of research at caltech in partnership with nasa jpl um and the foundational sort of uh, concept and how we're positioning it in the market is this concept of intelligent exploration of your data, right? And and why why did I when I first started you know talking to the team and seeing the product why did I think that was important? Because I think and I, you know I'd love your thoughts on this and make it more of a conversation than me just telling you all the things that I think are cool. Um, I think you've heard for a long time you know department senior leaders talking about hey our problem when it comes to data is not collection, right? Like by and large, right? We collect a tremendous amount of data. The challenge is in data management. The challenge is in, in analytics. We know there's a lot more insights in the data that we've collected than we're able to, to get access to, right? So, so that's kind of one. And then the second one I think is just the human piece, right? Of like, how do we get more from, how do we upskill our analysts um, and get them to a, a higher sort of level of performance? Because 
actual data scientists are harder to come by, you know, takes longer to train, more expensive, sometimes have a penchant for leaving for the private sector, right? So, you know, so I think those two pieces, when I, when I saw the concept of intelligent exploration, this idea of really a, a low, no code sort of analytics layer that sits on your data that has our, you know, sort of AI routines embedded that allows an analyst to get, you know, take the data and then, you know, move it into these 3D visualizations. And there's a, there's a cool VR component to it as well, because one of our founders comes from a data science background, the other comes from VR. But really that idea of, of enabling uh, analysts to take advantage of existing AI routines that our team has embedded in the product to start, you know, identifying connections, you know, identifying anomalies and surfacing those insights, right? And there's a whole bunch of cool use cases that we're doing, you know, sort of we're, we're working in the predictive maintenance space and taking a very different angle on that than, than other folks are and doing cyber and intelligence and all this kind of stuff. So product super cool. Um, but when I saw it, I was like, I don't know. And not that I'm, you know, I consider myself incredibly deep, you know, from my, the first time I saw it. But as I started looking at who else is in the space, I was like, I think that's a gap in the market. And I think this is going to really resonate in terms of those two problem areas you've been hearing from DOD for a long time, right? Um, and then the other piece is just mission, like mission impact. I think, you know, the, the team, I was blown away by, you know, the, the folks that I'm able to work with, the focus on the mission, and then just like, you know, it's kind of, you know, showing up as good humans, right? So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about the company and then, and why I, I I'm here. Yeah, I mean, the timing, timing couldn't be better, mm -hmm. right? There's I mean, the rise of sort of like data warehousing and data clouds and your snowflakes of the world and sort of mm -hmm. everybody else. I think there's a, a recognition that, you know, there's not a collection issue in the department. I think there's a discovery mm -hmm. issue and that's mm -hmm. a mix of just poor form, a bunch of siloed builds, right? Like they cut a bunch of contracts over the years, not reading any of the clauses and like vendors EULAs and ended up having to go like buy their data back from some people. Yep. Um, so as you're thinking about how to make that discoverable and actually provide insight into it, um, I think the, the value is clear. Yeah. I think the, uh, the big thing to your point is thinking through how can you increase the variety of environments you can run that in and then can you sort of cross correlate across right like mm -hmm. that that's where you almost get it like this multi-level security sort of challenge on hey well, what if we could show you issues if you've got your viz on you know yellow red and green mm -hmm. and you've got a discrepancy across some key feature yeah did you know you're the same way i used to do it right like right now i'm like either switching toggles on and off or i'm like taking cds out and like loading them back in. exactly there's like no way to normalize that so yeah. that that gets me excited about sort of the future of what you guys are doing in the mission yeah uh because that is a wildly underserved capability right now yeah 100 and i think it's you know it's that idea of like you know there's things out there that that go to a certain level but moving over, you know, further to the right on that spectrum of getting to like the predictive prescriptive side of it, right? And getting to that sort of advanced or, you know, whatever, that next layer of, of understanding visualization. And then, you know, frankly, the other piece, right, is like, um, I think you hear a lot of the vendors on the market take kind of the quote unquote black box approach. And, you know, there may be things coming out, recommendations or whatever, but like if the analyst doesn't understand how the model got to that prediction or that recommendation, are they actually gonna, you know, take action with it, right? And so this idea of like, you know, having the, the explainability piece 
uh, and making sure that you know the, the analyst has trust in sort of what the what the system is telling him or her right Heck yeah so, yeah i love that all yeah. right last question um since you've listened to my podcast you know my handlers have told me that i have to have a modicum of structure here <sighs> yes yes this uh, is a big one so you hang up the spurs right you're done you know What's it look like for you? Where do you where do you sail off into the sunset? So this has evolved over time, and the yeah. reason I say that is because when I when I was in the <laughs> army, I actually have listened to the podcast. I was chuckling to myself over this one because uh, when I was in the army, I used to kind of, you know, kid and not you know sort of serious with my wife about like when we're done, whatever point in life that is. Like, I don't see a retirement home; I see an RV and just kind of roaming the country or exploring. Tyler, it has become, it has been made evident to me over the years that that is not a vision shared by everyone involved in the retirement conversation. So where I see it now is one, I don't like, I don't see myself ever being like completely done, right? Like I, like I, I just, I know myself, uh, you know, I, I'd like to be involved. So I think where I see it is, is like a, a, a play, a big house where, you know, kids and grandkids or whatever can come in the mountains on a lake, like somewhere with woods. Cause I, you know, I, I like to just be outside, be, be in the woods. Um, and then doing work that I want, you know, I, I enjoy coaching. I enjoy working with veterans in transition. I enjoy, you know, coaching my son and, you know, whatever various activity he's doing or whatever. So I, I think it'll probably be something like that, right? Like a big place, a little bit of land, have friends good, over, like have a, family a convening over. place, but a peaceful convening place. Exactly, you know what I mean. I like like you know, do like a, be on a couple of things that I want to be on, right? And, and then be able to go out and walk in the woods, or go mountain biking, or you know, do something. All right, well, that. if I can get one of these startups to take off, and uh, I can strike it rich, I'll send you an RV, and we can just put it in the parking lot, so you can just look. You can just look at it from the, <laughs> as you're sitting on the porch out there. That's right. I'm like, but yeah. But, I've made my peace with that. No, I got it. You can't win them all. That's right. Well, look, brother, I couldn't be happier to to be able to sit here and chat with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, buddy. Congrats on all the success. And uh, really excited about what you guys are up to at Virtualytics. So thanks a lot, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Wow, look at you. You made it to the end. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. Don't forget to leave a passive-aggressive review. It wouldn't be a podcast without some show notes. Check them out to learn more about me, Second Front. Stay weird.